all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hey, welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo. Just looking over some of the latest information that's come out on some things we've talked about a lot on this program. And uh, while we're waiting for you to dial us up at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, I wanted to mention a couple of these because they're so surprising. You know, for many years I've been preaching about getting the shingle shot since shingles are so, so common uh, among seniors in particular. And I've eased off on that a little bit because the shingle shot really that we had was really not very good. Uh, it didn't uh, block all of them. It was uh, all all uh, episodes of this. But we now have a new one that's out and available at your local pharmacy or grocery store or doctor's office that is 90% effective. It's probably the best vaccine that we've ever had. And the good thing is it can be given to people with rheumatoid arthritis on Enbrel and Humira, uh, people on cancer therapy, and so forth, that we weren't able to give anybody who's immunosuppressed, anybody that we weren't able to give this to before. Shingles is a very common problem where you get a reoccurrence of uh, mumps uh, on your uh, skin, and these uh, are basically uh, uh, blisters uh, that uh, are in a linear fashion. It's a herpes zoster virus. And uh, uh, and so uh, it, the big problem is, is that it can involve the eye. It come, can become generalized, especially in people who are immune deficient or on drugs for any kind of uh, cancer or rheumatoid logic condition, and uh, uh, it can cause post-herpetic neuropathy, which is a chronic pain syndrome, which you don't want. So I recommend, and so does the the federal agency that makes these recommendations, that anybody over 50 years of age get the new shingle shot. You have to take two of them. You have to take one now and another one two to six months later. And it would certainly be worth your effort. You want to talk more about this? Give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We've also been recommending that people, uh, that everyone, uh, take vitamin D and calcium supplements to prevent osteoporosis, uh, soft bones, and uh, in particular fractures. Well, big study just came out looking at that. And again, the same uh, federal agency that's responsible for preventive medicine that reviewed all this data uh, says that taking vitamin D and calcium doesn't prevent osteoporosis or bone fractures if you haven't already had a fracture, aren't osteoporotic, or aren't vitamin D deficient. So we're backing off on that recommendation, but we do recommend that folks uh, continue to get vitamin D levels uh, to make sure they're not vitamin D deficient and uh, follow the federal guidelines for getting bone densitometry to uh, detect osteoporosis, especially if you've had a bone uh, fracture in, in your foot or elsewhere. So that's some new news, and there's lots more, but let's go to the phone. Folks are giving us a call, and we want to take your call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Let's go to Kay in Memphis. Hey, Kay. 
Hey, I called early this time, so maybe I have a little more time with you because I usually catch you when you're rushing. Okay, well, I'm always rushing, so you well, call I, me. When... I know. Okay, because I have three or four things that I just want to pass by you. Let's list one them. Is, one is I want to tell you my cardiologist is a professor at UT Medical. Fantastic. So yeah, I pick good ones. Yeah. He's, he's good. I, I I really do like him. But anyway, I knew he was uh, connected there. But I asked him yesterday, and uh, so he t- we had a talk. Okay. Um, do you know anything about the VA VA hospitals in Virginia? In Virginia? Yes. No, I, I used to when I was uh, working in D.C. But no, I don't know. I know a lot about VA hospitals. Yeah. What is your well, question? I have a son that that is living in Virginia now, and he's after me to come up and live. He has two houses on the property that are empty, uh-huh. and uh, they have a VA hospital right there because the, his daughter spent three or four days, at, and she was just a child, at the VA hospital, and he's not a veteran. Uh-huh. So it looks like uh, I wouldn't have trouble. See, my I've already thought that it, it had to be uh, – service connected and of course i'm i'm service but i'm not service connected you know as far as my illness my disabilities that's all loosened up now and uh actually even if you have full insurance you can get care at a va hospital they will bill your insurance and um so no that is no longer an issue the va hospitals um are generally quite good Despite what you hear on the TV and radio, uh, and uh, that's our, our ones here in uh, Mississippi have gotten a lot of bad uh, press, but I will tell you they are very good, especially the ones that are associated with academic health centers and uh, the VA. Any anything federal that's around D.C. tends to be top-notch. So I would think, not knowing, I used to you know, be, at, be in D.C. at Walter Reed yeah, yeah, uh, and had a lot of interaction with the folks from the VA. They were excellent then. So I would guess they were, they are good. Uh, so I, I would, in fact, I, I'm, I'm very sure they're good. What's your third question? Okay. I've um, got... My well, my son got on the online, and um, there is no place that we could find with Eloquist that was any cheaper than what it is here. In fact, some of them were even higher. Really? So uh, I just went ahead and went on Warfarin until I could figure out something about uh, how I can pay for Eloquist. Yeah, I'm I'm familiar with Warfarin because my brother took it for years. So in fact, he as he got old and too too old to manage his own medication. We think he overdosed himself yeah. because he, he had a hemorrhagic stroke. Well, that's one of the indications that uh, for using what are called the direct uh, anticoagulants over mm-hmm. over Coumadin, if someone who is taking it has uh, problems with memory <clears throat> or uh, has previous falls or has previous bleeding, then the data now are showing that these are better choices. And I think that uh, warfarin is going to be a historic Coumadin. It's going to be a historic drug within the next five years because every study that is coming out now is showing either uh, equal or better effects uh, with these new direct anticoagulants like the ones you mentioned. And uh, so, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I, I think that if you just do that for a while, it's going to, it's going to come on the formulary of everything. If you go to the VA, you may get it. He had had a valve replacement, so he had to be on blood thinner. Um, the other thing is I'm 20 days through my 30 days wearing this thing. (laughs) Um, and they, the only thing they have picked up in 20 days is two little AFibs. Well, which, which I think is good. I yeah, mean, well, AFib, AFibs are uh, AFibs are important. So, oh yeah, let's I, talk. I, let's I, talk I, about I, let's talk about Holter monitoring, the indications for Holter monitoring, uh, and I'm glad you had that. Uh, people who have uh, syncable episodes, fainting spells, palpitations uh, that uh, make them feel bad, uh, and um, 
and certain uh, valvular abnormalities of the heart frequently will get monitoring where they put a uh, monitor, a heart monitor on you that's, you know, it's it's uh, not uncomfortable. It's a little gadget with a little electrode on your chest. And uh, that records all of your heartbeats during the time it's on there. The good thing is, is that many of them have what's called an event monitor uh, on on there. That is, you can push a button anytime you're experiencing whatever you're uh, feeling, fluttering or dizziness or whatever it is, and that will mark it. And when they download the data from your monitor, your Holter monitor, they can go right to that place and look and see if what was going on with your heart at that time was uh, related to your symptoms. So that's a good thing. Uh, we, there, we're still not sure what to do about episodic uh, atrial fibrillation in seniors that does not is not persistent. That's just a few beats. Uh, we do know that if you are having persistent uh, atrial fibrillation, then that puts you at risk for throwing a clot out of your atrium uh, to your brain. So that's a big deal, and and your doctor, of course, will give you some specifics about that. And I'm glad that you had that monitoring done, and I'm glad you called, and I wish you uh, well on your decision about Virginia. Let's go to Manuel. Manuel, where are you? Manuel? Did we lose Manuel? I think he went vamoose. Let's go to Joe in Wiggins. Hey, Joe. Uh, Good morning. I have a question about the new shingles vaccine that you mentioned at the beginning of the show. Yes, ma'am. I am 67, and probably 30 years ago, I had a mild case of shingles. And I want you to know I will never forget it. Yeah. It was mild, and I don't want to repeat it. So I had, uh, about five years ago, I did have the shingles vaccine that was out at that time. Right. I'm wondering, uh, I'm also asking for my husband because he has, you mentioned neuropathy. He has peripheral neuropathy, but he's not diabetic. He's just uh, hereditary, I guess. So do you recommend us getting this new vaccine? Yes. Since we both have had the one five years ago? Yes, ma'am. The one uh, five years ago that you got, uh, probably what good it did, it's probably not doing it now because you probably lost the immunity that it generated unless you've had some interval uh, infection that you didn't know about. We haven't, but I did read online and I put on my calendar for this year. It was it's five years and I had read you needed another one. Right. My general practitioner and hadn't heard anything about that. No, so you do need a booster, but don't get the don't get the old one. Go with the Shing, S H I N G Ricks R I C K. That's not the way they spell it, but that's the phonetic way of asking for it. Shing Ricks vaccine. It uh, is approved for use in people who've previously had uh, episodes of shingles, also called herpes zoster. And it is extremely effective and uh, very low risk. The only people who are not supposed to get it are people who don't have any immunity to chickenpox, who've never had a chickenpox shot. And because you have to have had some previous immunization to make the antibodies. So if you've never had a uh, the chickenpox, then you need to get a blood test to make sure you, uh, if you think you've never had it, most everybody's had it. But uh, if you've never had it and you qualify, you're 50 years or older, uh, we can measure your antibodies to uh, mumps and see if you've had it. Uh, And if you don't have any antibodies, we can give you the actual mumps vaccine first. So that would be another choice. And when you get your uh, shingles shot, it's a good time to get caught up on your other vaccines, your uh, tetanus, whooping cough. If you're an adult and you haven't had your boosters on that, 
You definitely need it. I had a patient uh, last week I diagnosed with whooping cough who is in her late 60s. And so I will tell you, it's out there, and it usually comes from uh, being exposed to children who are not immunized. They are the carriers for this, and we still have it in the state. In fact, there have been epidemics of this on the Gulf Coast. And so get your uh, DTAP, DTAP, diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis. Uh, If you're a senior at the time, you get your shingle shot, if they'll give it to you uh, at the same time, most of the, most of the drugstores are resistant to do this. But in our clinics, we, we usually don't have any problem giving them together because they're really quite different. Uh, but regardless, um, get caught up on your immunizations and make sure uh, that you do that all at once. So, yeah, I hope that's helpful to you. Uh, and if you if there are other questions about this new shingles vaccine, give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send us an email at southernremedy@mpbonline dot org, and we'll send you an info sheet. Let's go back to Manuel. Manuel, are you here? Yes, sir. Sorry, we lost you. What's your What's your issue? Well, I have a problem here. Um, like, like a year ago, I had problems with my throat where I had um, developed a lot of mouth ulcers in my mouth and mm-hmm. all down my throat. And uh, my primary doctor, they diagnosed me, said I had um, strep throat. And they treated me with some antibiotics and uh, a period of time. They went away, but they just constantly come back. Um, my doctor uh, referred me over to a ear, throat, and nose specialist uh-huh. who they at first thought that I had throat cancer, but it turns out that I didn't. And so he's been kind of treating me for the ulcers uh, with, you know, resumes of prednisone and, you know, and trying to see what's going on. He says, nothing, no sexual disease or nothing, he says, but I still have the problem with this. And my medical doctor says that uh, he did a blood test on me, some blue lab work, and all my virals and things were normal, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to know what you might think about it because they were suggesting maybe trying to get me in to see a rheumatologist. Now I'm on right now. Uh, what, I think it's Valtrex. Uh huh. Is when he had me on. Yeah. Does that and suppress it, then, it? Yes, sir. Okay. So you have what is called recurrent herpetic herpes uh, stomatitis, which is a fancy name for. Recurrent mouth ulcers, uh, they're frequently painful blisters, and they can involve your esophagus and your gastrointestinal tract. And whenever we see this in a young person and it's recurrent, one of the first things we do is make sure that the patient does not have HIV infection, and you've had the HIV test and yours is negative, uh, or have some other immune deficiency. And... Um, and we, so we check their antibodies, IgG, M, and A. So if you've had that done, if you've had your antibodies checked, it sounds like you have, yes, uh, and uh, had your HIV, then for some reason you don't make normal antibodies to this particular type of herpes virus and are having recurrent infections. And um, this is not the herpes, the genital herpes. Uh, you don't, you don't, you haven't had blisters on your penis or no, sir. Any, so this is the oral form, and uh, the treatment for that is exactly what you're getting, which is an antiviral agent uh, to suppress it. And we use uh, uh, the one that you're on, and there are now several different ones in that family. Uh, or another one uh, that you have to take larger doses of. So there are a variety of different uh, antiviral agents uh, that you can take, and in generally they're safe. And we have people, some people, on these uh, every day uh, for long periods of time. And uh, the reason they're talking about a rheumatologist is there is a condition called Bichette's disease 
B-E-H-C-E-T-S, Bichette's disease, which is extremely rare, usually seen in people with Mediterranean backgrounds that have intractable aftostomatitis and usually have some kind of neurological problem and arthritis. And uh, if they want to refer you to a rheumatologist, that might be a good idea uh, because it would give you yet another uh, another uh, opinion by someone who is an internist and a rheumatologist. Yes, uh, that might be a good idea. But I, I think you're on the right medicine. It just took you a, a while to get on it, okay? Yes, sir. All right? Thank you. And if you want some more info on that, just send me an email. I've got, I can send you... Uh, a patient information sheet on uh, after stomatitis. And thank you for your call, Manuel. Don't don't panic. It's going to be okay. Let's go to your house. You haven't called us, and we're waiting for you at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And we'd love to have your answer. Uh, love to have your question and try to give you an answer. Uh, or at least some direction on many uh, any medical problem. And we have several lines open right now. Let's go to Florence and Robert. Hey, Robert. Hello. Howdy. What's Sir? on your mind? You're on the radio. Okay. Uh, my wife took the shingle shot back in 2014. Yep. Uh, does she need to take another one now? She needs to get the new one. She uh, got the old one. It doesn't work. She needs to get the new one, Shingrix. So she blew $90 on the other one, huh? Well, it works about 60% of the time, uh-huh. and it could have – I got it. Yeah. I got the old one twice, and uh, it was the best we had. Right. And uh, I blew some bucks too, but, you know, I, I you, you pay your money, you, you take your chance. But on, on the new one, you got to take two of them? Yeah, and it works. Uh-huh. I mean, it's it's worth it. It's where if I had to pay cash for that one, I would get it, because yeah. let me tell you, postarpedic neuropathy, the pain that pain syndrome that you can get after having shingles is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, I certainly appreciate it. Good to hear from you. Same here. Thank you. Bye. Let's Bye. go to uh, Terry and here in Jackson. Hey, Terry. Okay. We're about to get. We're about to get Terry right now. Hey, Terry. Hey. What's happening? Um, well, I love, I moved here from Alabama a little over a year ago, and I love everything about MPB. Well, thank um, so you. First, that, you know, the, the major compliment. Well, we um, still play, we still play symphonic music if you were hung up on symphonic music from Alabama Public Broadcasting, but we have it on a separate frequency. So I you get the, that. yeah, you get the yeah. the talk on one frequency, which is basically all educational, and that's yes. what public broadcasting in Mississippi is about. And then you have the classical music on the other one. And uh, if you're a country music fan like me, a rock fan, and a classical music fan, uh, you like it that way. So we're glad well, you're here. Well, when I moved here, I didn't know anything about um, the Jackson area, and it was like having a welcome wagon in my house every morning as I unpacked. It was wonderful and helpful and got me into the community much faster than otherwise. You're mighty sweet, and we appreciate it. And all the folks uh, who work over here on a daily basis really appreciate that. Uh, what's What's your question? My question is, um, I have always had a bleeding tendency, and um, it ended up in a hysterectomy after multiple DNCs and 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 a childbirth. And but recently, uh, some symptoms have reemerged. So my primary doc sent me to um, an oncologist, and 16 tubes of blood later. <laughs> discovered that I have type 1 Von Willebrand's disease. Wow. And um, so my question is, um, I'm 69, and I'm looking to be proactive and prevent any problems. It's not a problem, you know, unless I'm injured or take NSAIDs or um, other things that, that um, you know, I just i am cautious about medications. But... Mm-hmm. 
Um, I'm interested in preventing any of the cardiovascular um, heart attack kinds of things that he he you know told me about. But I also wondered if there are other implications for the long run. Well, uh, the good news is is that there is a treatment if you have a bleed, if you're in an automobile accident. Uh, or you have to have surgery, so forth. This a particular problem, which is usually inherited, um, yes. uh, can be treated. And you you've heard about that. If you if you didn't get an info sheet on that, I'll be happy to send you. But the drug that is yeah, used that. is DDAVP, uh, and it is widely available. And there are standards. Uh, for using it there. It's also a concentrate of Von Riddlebrand factor now that can be given as well. So the, the, the most important thing that you can do is to wear an armband uh, because this is a fairly unusual problem. Uh, yeah. Letting somebody know that you have this in case you are not able, you're, you know, you have a concussion or something, and you can't talk, uh, that that you can uh, uh, let the emergency room people know that you you have it. Uh, so so far as prevention of anything else with it, um, I think the, it's the the preventive things that you can do are the obvious ones, and that is. Uh, 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 you're, 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 are you, you're old enough now that you are not going to have a pregnancy. Did you have pregnancies? Yeah, one and, and four DNCs, which I kind of wonder if they were miscarriages. Yeah. But, um, yeah. You know, well, if you... to end up in, in, uh, transfusions and then, you know, like I said, a uh, hysterectomy because of hemorrhage. Yeah. Well, the fact that you were able to carry a pregnancy to term means that you don't have a bad case of it, and good. so that's that's good news. And uh, I don't think that there are any other recommendations that are not uh, congruent with what you would do anyway, which is your annual mammogram, your cholesterol check, know your blood pressure, uh, uh, and uh, and 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 get regular eye checks at least. Uh, once a year if you're over 65. So other than that, you know, know your numbers. I don't think there's anything else you can or should do, and I'm just glad that it isn't uh, more severe because some people are actually having to take the uh, concentrate, the the stuff regularly, just like we have to give patients with hypogammaglobinemia uh, gamma globulin therapy. So... Welcome to Mississippi. We're glad you're here. Call us anytime and uh, keep saying good things about us. And remember us at, uh, at, uh, uh, on our campaigns. And I hope you'll be a sustaining member where you get this free magazine every month about all the, the programs. So thank you for your call. And I already am a member, and, I've, and I'll be president of the fan club if you need me. All right. Well, you're mighty sweet, and we, we appreciate it, and we're glad you're here at last. I have a um, thing on my desk that said, I wasn't born in Mississippi, but I got here just as soon as I could. And that's what you're <laughs> saying. So thank you. Let's go to Hannah and Collins. Hey, Hannah. Rick. What's happening? Well, just trying to stay busy in Collins. I hope you're doing well. Oh, I'm doing good, and I'm better since you call. What's on your mind? Well, hey, I just heard you say that... Um, not recommended to take S, uh, sorry, calcium anymore for the prevention of osteoporosis. Right. Um, and I am a young woman who takes vitamins every day. I take calcium every day because, because of that mm-hmm. to prevent osteoporosis. So I'm wondering if you have any other suggestions. Well, um, this was a shocker to me. Uh, I mentioned it on the show when when the first inklings came out about this about three years ago, <clears throat> because what they found is is that that uh, people, including men who were taking calcium for osteoporosis uh, prevention, were having an increased pre- prevalence of kidney stones, 
And it's on that particular, and that panned out. There was also one that, uh, uh, a paper that suggested that taking calcium supplement increased coronary artery disease because it calcified the plaques in the coronary arteries. Well, that's still being looked at, but the the uh, group that uh, makes recommendations for preventive medicine, uh, preventive actions, the federal uh, panel, uh, has come out now recently. It's been published in the Journal of American Medical Association. You can actually Google this and pull it up yourself and look at it. It's been recommended that unless you have demonstrated osteoporosis, or have had recurrent fractures, which suggest you have it anyway, uh, that you do not take the usual recommended doses of calcium and vitamin D, which is uh, somewhere around one to 4,000 international units of vitamin D and some kind of calcium, usually given in Citrical D or one of the other over-the-counter calciums because of this lack of efficacy being demonstrated and the kidney stone thing. But there is something that you can do to prevent osteoporosis, and that is exercise. And uh, that is probably the best deal that we have uh, for preventing it. Now, if you do get it, we have new medicines. Uh, You've heard about some of these. Some of them are oral. Some of them are injectable. They're very effective. And that's why I mentioned when I talked about this is it's important, especially if you have a family history of osteoporosis, that you get a bone densitometry uh, when your insurance will pay for it. And that, that depends on what kind of insurance you'll have to just make sure you don't have the problem. Because then you would be a candidate for something like Fosamax, and usually you take low low-dose calcium with that. And you should also have your vitamin D checked when you uh, get your regular uh, checkups to make sure you don't need supplement. I'm not saying you don't need to take it, but you don't need to take it if you're not vitamin D deficient. I don't see anything wrong with taking a multiple vitamin, a cheap one. The cheaper ones don't have as many things in it every day, and I do. Um, so, uh, and, uh, so, so I don't, there's nothing wrong with that. The big problem is taking high doses of vitamin D, E, A, and K. Those are fat soluble and you can get intoxicated with those. So you can get vitamin D intoxication, A intoxication, D, E, A, and K. So I don't recommend taking any of those supplements, without getting a doctor's involvement or some health professional's involvement. Is that sort of where you were going with that? Yeah, that is. Um, I was just wondering if I've I've seen calcium cause um, kidney stones in loved ones, and so didn't want to be signing myself up for that by continuing my kind of daily regimen with the vitamins. Right, I just lay off of that. We get a lot of calcium in our diet. Uh, because we usually eat proteins, and proteins are rich in in, in that. And uh, unless you have some kind of absorption problem, which is unusual, I wouldn't anticipate that would be an issue. So I would not use any additional uh, calcium supplement, and I would take the multivitamins without calcium uh, unless they come out with something else. Because with a family history, you're at risk anyway. And with a family history of kidney stones, you need to be drinking six glasses of uh, water a day and making sure your urine does not get dark yellow. Keep well hydrated, and that's the best thing you can do for that that issue at this point. So thank you so much for your call, and it's great to hear you, hear from Collins and from you. Let's go to Catherine in Oxford. Hey, Catherine. How are you? We're doing good. Higher things in the center of all knowledge. Oh, just wonderful. <laughs> Everything is in bloom. Oh, it's beautiful up there, isn't it? Yes, it is. And it is. seems like everybody in Mississippi's moving up there. So uh, I know, get I ready know. to it's have not- lots of neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Yeah. What's your what's your point? Well, I wanted to ask you, um, I am going uh to Europe this summer and I was wondering if there are any particular shots I should see about before traveling this is a mediterranean 
uh, to, to Italy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, there is a website that you can Google uh, that the CDC, Centers for Disease Control, uh-huh. uh, has about immunizations. You you have to take a uh, some evidence that you have had smallpox vaccination okay. uh, uh, for that travel. And are you using a uh, travel agency or are you doing it yourself? A travel agency. Okay, the travel agency ha- should have already provided you um, a information on what is required for going to Italy, but it's nothing but uh, demonstrating that you've had the smallpox uh, vaccine. And uh, it's an opportunity, though, for you to get caught up on your other vaccines. They're not going to ask you about DTAP and shingles, but uh-huh. uh, it's uh, probably, and shingles is is not contagious unless you uh, – get exposed to blisters and you haven't had chicken pox and you get chicken pox. But uh, there's nothing special for uh, that part of Europe. Now, some parts of uh, most of the the weird stuff is in South Central America and Africa. So okay. that's that's all. I, and I've, I've, I recently went over there and that was the only thing. But I would check that website and the the uh, make since you're paying them, they should have already provided you something on that. Get get the uh, uh, rules and regulations for uh, uh, traffic into Italy. You may not have a certificate for uh, your smallpox immunization, so you may need to get that from your doctor. And we usually just write notes or get those green okay. or get those yellow cards and fill them out. We don't usually measure it. Uh, we believe you. Uh, if you've been immunized, okay? Okay, very good. Thank you. Have a safe trip and enjoy. Thank you so much. Let's go to Fulton and Danny. Hey, Danny. Danny, sorry it took so long to get to you. I'm chatty this morning. What's going on with your back? I got a degenerative disc in my L5. Yep. I was wondering if uh, there's anything I could take or do or to help me out with that, you know, and uh, do you recommend an inversion table? Uh, Okay. Uh, let me tell you the best thing to do for, um, are you having any pain now? Uh, just miles. Yeah. You're in between spells. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, everybody has this. They did a study not long ago, uh, and did one even further long ago, uh, where they x-rayed people's backs and got CTs and MRIs and so forth. And most people over the age of 45 will have evidence of degenerative disc disease. Uh And the discs are little tiddlywinks. And you're probably young enough, you don't know what a tiddlywink is. Uh, It's a (laughs) little round disc uh, that kids used to play with. Uh, A little little round uh, disc between each vertebra, which are the bones that sit on top of each other, sort of like a chicken neck. Uh-huh. And those discs dry out, so-called desiccate, and and then the bones start rubbing on because the disc is not separating them anymore. The the bones above them and below them keep start rubbing on each other. And L four, L five, L five, L six are really the most common ones uh, that that do this. And when bone rubs on bone, it makes new bone. And that's osteoarthritis. Osteoarthritis is different from rheumatoid arthritis. Rheumatoid arthritis is a loss of bone. Osteoarthritis is new bone. And those new bones, uh, the new bones can cause outgrowth from the spinal, uh, uh, from the bones of the uh, spine. And uh, they, they hook the nerves that come out of those spaces and uh, entrap them, and that's what induces sciatica, which is low back pain that is so um, so painful. And uh, sciatica is very common; occurs in about thirty percent of people. And in general, the the approach uh, to deal with somebody with degenerative joint disease is to keep them away from back surgeons, because fifty percent of back surgery does not work. So medical treatment is always the first thing. And for degenerative joint disease of the back, number one is weight control. 
because uh, when you're overweight, that puts increased G-forces on the disc and bones of your back. And number two, strengthen the muscles that keep your backbone from wiggling when you walk or bend over. There's a set of muscles, little flat muscles, that run up and down the spine on the front and the sides. There's four of them, one anterior, one posterior, one lateral, left and right. And there are exercises that physical therapists can teach you uh, to strengthen those muscles to keep them from wiggling. I will tell you this works because I have had uh, earlier in my life, uh, when I was a young man, I actually was pulling up a camellia bush down in in Mobile, uh, and I, I did not follow the proper mechanism. Uh, bent over and pulled it up with my back bent, and I popped a disc out, and I thought I was going to die. I, I could not move. And uh, so uh, I had a bad uh, disc uh, with severe sciatica, you know, treated it medically with pain meds. And ever since, uh, and I had a couple other episodes, and then I started swimming. And I'm not a good swimmer, but I am a swimmer. And swimming is the best exercise you can do for back. Some people hate swimming. I don't blame them. I don't like it either, but I do it three times a week. And uh, that is one if you uh, if you're not able to swim, then these daily back exercises that are very simple uh, are worth a trip to a physical therapist for instruction. Okay, so, like leg lifts and stuff like that. No, it's a specific. Yeah, well, there are some lifts, but that you you one of the things about back exercises when disc, if you do the wrong exercises, you can make things a lot worse. So uh-huh. these are very uh, customized exercises for your back, and I would definitely recommend you get the instructions of that. Inversion tables are yep. very helpful for acute symptoms because what they do is they take the uh, they op- pop open the uh, space uh, and free up those nerves. But you can't live on an inversion table the rest of your life, and you certainly can't make an income unless you can do the computer upside down or something like that and, and <laughs> right. do stocks and stuff like that. So I, I, I think if you, know, if you can find one and not kill yourself using it, uh, it's okay, but I don't recommend them. Well, I got one, but when I'm on it, it, it doesn't hurt, but it just uh, it makes it a little tender. But when I get off of it, within a few minutes later, it feels better than before I got on it. Well, uh, I would. What I would do is, I would. Uh, the physical therapy people are also all over uh, all of those devices for fitness. Uh-huh. And I would bring this up when you talk to the physical therapist, and they can give you um, some guidance on how not to injure yourself if you find it beneficial. Okay. Uh, so that's, that would be my suggestion. And thank you for your call, and take care of yourself. All right, Doc. Appreciate it, man. All right. Good to talk to you. You're listening to Southern Remedy. We've got 10 more minutes. We're at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We have two lines open, and we'd love to take your call if you want to call. We're going to Tim in Louisiana. Hey, Tim, what's going on in Louisiana? Good, Doc. Can you hear me okay? I've got you on. Can speaker. you send us some fresh shrimp? I certainly can. Uh, where in Louisiana are you? Bogalusa is right in the toe. Love it. Oh. The old stinking paper mill town. You know, Bogalusa is the home of the Bogalusa Heart Study, which was one of the first studies that demonstrated uh, that cholesterol problems start in uh, adolescence and before. And uh, we're still having, I'm a pediatrician, but we're still having trouble with pediatricians getting them to be more aggressive with looking for lipid cholesterol abnormalities in kids and treating it early because when this is not what you want to talk about, but let me get this out because it's bugging me. Uh, in uh, Korea, when they did autopsies on teenage men who were killed in Korea, 
they found that they already had large plaques in their coronary arteries that had developed when they were young. So it's very important that if you have a family history of coronary artery disease, that you get your kids tested for cholesterol and that they're, you know their LDL and HDL and, and you prevent that. I was fortunate in that I got tested earlier in li- early in life and found I had a cholesterol problem and been on statins ever since I could speak. Uh, and uh, it's really, so far, I'm old, and it's worked. So I'm grateful for that. So what do you want to talk about? And you already diagnosed it. I, you know, I can go on just like you with the rambling because I'm a Methodist. All right. Well, you you know that's why I'm, I'm, I am ramble like I do because, you know, we want to we want to put everything in order. And they just resurrected that program, though, that Dr. Barron's is still alive. He was in. And kicking in ninety something, he was in New Orleans, but I think he's in the area again. But uh, well, he's anyway. an amazing person, an amazing person. And uh, I was call- I was calling about low thyroid. What about it? The uh, young doctor saying I'm off the charts with low, and I said, "Well, put me on the." I heard you a few weeks ago. I said, "I'm all about natural." Uh, I can't remember. It starts with an A, but. Nonetheless, he wrote me a script for Centroid, which I think that's what you prefer. But uh, yeah, the armor is the the armor is the other one, which is basically ground up animal uh, thyroid. This is a natural one, and you know I, I have a I have a prejudice about that, uh, Tim, and that is it. It, it uh, doctors are taught to give medicines that we know what's in them. And with the Synthroid, we know exactly how much thyroid is in each pill. With the Armor product, we don't know that. And that's why, uh, and, and you, you know, your TSH, if you were hypo, low thyroid was way elevated, and you want to get that relatively normal. We used to get those, replace those uh, very heavily, but data shows now that actually leaving the TSH on the high side of normal is better than putting it uh, perfectly normal. I don't know why, but that's what the latest data show. So uh, did you go to thyroid ultrasound, or what was done? No, just a blood test. Uh-huh. Well, uh, did they check you for thyroid autoantibodies? They did the T3, T4, TSH. Uh, do you have a family history of thyroid problems? No, sir. Uh-huh. Well, if and, and how old are you now? I just hit 65, Medicare age. Yeah, well, Old-timer that's... Old-timer like you. That's about the only... Yeah, that's about the only good thing about being 65 is you get Medicare. Uh, so so uh, let me just tell you, the routine workup for... Uh, uh, women have hypothyroidism all the time. Men, I have this too, by the way. I have everything wrong with you. Uh, uh, men who get hypothyroidism, we usually do a little bit more of a workup because it's not quite as common. Most commonly, it is due to thyroid autoantibodies called Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Um, it can occur... Uh, in uh, some other conditions, and uh, it it might be good for you to mention to your doctor whether or not uh, he wants to get thyroid antibodies and the thyroid ultrasound. Uh, he examined your neck, right? He or she examined your neck and felt for lumps? I, I think I remember, yes. Okay. Well... Then uh, when you go for your next checkup, and they're gonna, you're going to be back and forth until you get your on the right dose, um, make sure he feels your thyroid. If he doesn't, ask him if he thinks you ought to get an ultrasound uh, to just to make sure you don't have a thyroid nodule or something else going on in there that might cause this. That's not what you wanted. I went crazy. What, what, is, the, what is the question you want answered? Well, that, that's essentially it. What caused it? What am I looking for going forward? Is this something you, you take from now on? Yep. Yep. Once you got it, you, you got it. And uh, what you want to do is you want to stay on thyroid medicine. You, and the biggest problem we have with thyroid, you've heard me say this before, is people don't take it right. It is difficult to absorb 
uh, and you have to take it on an empty stomach first thing in the morning uh, before you eat. So I have my little thyroid pill by my toothbrush, and the first thing I do in the morning is take that and before I have breakfast or coffee or anything else, and that gets it totally absorbed. And if you take it with food, you may or may not absorb any of it. So uh, do that. And then uh, I, I would definitely talk to him about whether or not he thinks you have primary or secondary hypothyroidism. Primary is when the gland poops out, which is the most likely cause. Secondary is because there's some other problem, like a pituitary tumor, uh, which is benign but uh, is associated with losing other important hormones as well because the TSH comes from the pituitary gland and stimulates your thyroid to make thyroid. That's why we measure it. If you had a high TSH, that means your pituitary gland was working and you probably don't need any workup for hypopituitarism. But if you just had a low T4 and T3 and your TSH was relatively normal, then uh, you need a workup. So make sure that your TSH was elevated with a diagnosis, and then that means it's probably primary hypothyroidism, and then all we do is just check uh, the thyroid gland and uh, correct your TSH to normal. I know that's way too much. I probably need to send you a handout. I guess it was off the charts elevated, meaning it was real low, so that's why. No, it but wasn't it, real low. If if it was real low, you would have hyperthyroidism. No. I'm talking no. about the TSH, thyroid, the thyroid-stimulating right. hormone, not your T3 and T4. Your T3 and T4, which were low, right? Correct. Okay, good. All right. Well, just make sure that TSH was elevated and then, you know, 99 times out of 100, that's uh, primary hypothyroidism. We appreciate you calling from Louisiana, and I'm sorry we missed a call. We had a call from Paris that we missed because didn't get it in. So send us an email. It's been fun visiting with you. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo. This program is supported by an unrestricted grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And our radio efforts are produced by the famous producer, Jay White. And we want to thank our call uh, screener today. Who was who? Who who was she, Jay, or he? Liz Gill was our uh, call screener. We'll be back same time, same place next week. So give us a call or send us an email. Glad to be with you and see you again at Southern Remedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.